in Isaiah that Andrew started uh, last week. And as Mick said, he began with, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And today I'm going to be taking us through the next section of verse 1. I can feel, the, I can feel myself going on these. <laughs> and we're going to go through the next section of verse 1. And um, we're just going to look at the next few verses in that. But I want to remind ourselves of the passage that we're going to be looking at. Thank you. Star. Now, being honest, from the start, the only person that has exclusive rights to this passage is Jesus. He went into the temple. Andrew mentioned it last week. He went into the temple courts. And it was his custom to do that, so he went to church. And at the beginning of his ministry, he was handed this scroll. And he found a place in Isaiah. And then he unrolled it, and he read it, and then he sat down. And then he concluded with these words, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Old Testament is prophecies and promises. It's fantastic. Um, and, yeah, it's just amazing what comes up every now and then. And so we're, going to look at, we're not going to look at you, but I am going to mention that two have been fulfilled as we go through this, um, this speech, this talk this morning. See, the prophecies and promises that look to a future time where God would send a Messiah. That's it, Old Testament. I'm going to send my Messiah. I am promising to you that I'm going to send my Messiah. He's going to lead his people. He's going to set captives free. He's going to bind up the brokenhearted. He's going to bring good news and more. In essence, Jesus himself is the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. So let's just read the first six verses. I don't know if it's going to come up on there, but it is. Look at that. It's even better, isn't it? So um, I'm reading from the ESV. Is that ESV? Yay, well done. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prisons to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. They shall build up ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plow owners and vine dressers. But they shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. 
Father, I thank you for this passage. I thank you that um, there is so much in it for each and every one of us today. And Lord, would you just speak into everybody's heart, speak into mine as well as I'm bringing this word. Lord, that we would go out knowing something different. It's not just another passage of scripture that we've read and read and read and read and read and we still didn't get anything out. Lord, would you just change hearts? Send your spirit to each and every one of us. In your name I pray. Amen. So following on, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. It's an amazing little sentence again, part of a sentence that you think Jesus just fulfills it. He just completely fulfills this one. The Lord has anointed him to bring good news to the poor. So we're just going to break it down and go through it a stage at a time. The Lord, that's God, has anointed me. So what's the anointing? Well, if we look back in the Old Testament, you can you can just Google all the work, Google it. You can, yeah, Google it. Just Google anointing for the um, for. ESV, and all the passages will come up, and it's fantastic. I, I love Google. Amen for Google. Yes. So, yeah, if you look at there's many instances of people who were anointed or who anointed somebody. Moses anointed Aaron. Elijah anointed Jehu and Elisha. Samuel anointed Saul. And amongst them, there's a many list, a big list of people who got anointed. But it wasn't only people, because <laughs> there are times where everything was anointed. So like the priests were anointed, the clothes were anointed, the glasses were anointed, the chairs were anointed, the lampstands, the basins, the tabernacle itself was anointed. And the tent of meeting was anointed. There was an awful lot of anointing going on back then. There was a lot of oil needed. So when you read in the Bible where it says we needed to press all the olives to get the oil, this is what they were doing for, really. They didn't sprinkle it over your salad. They anointed everything. So, you know, it was the whole church, the whole building is anointed. You're anointed. In the ESV, as I've said, there's 148 references to being anointed or something being anointed. Many of those are followed by these words. They anointed them and they consecrated them. So not just anointing, these, these things that were anointed became consecrated. Which means to declare something or someone Sacred, holy, set apart. If you read through many of the accounts, the people who were anointed, you'll find that many of them were prophets and kings. But it just didn't stop there. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for his own possession. If we're believers in Christ, then we're called to set ourselves apart. Be in the world, but not of the world. We're called to live holy lives. 
because we're now counted amongst kings and prophets. So if you ever wondered that little box on Facebook, if you do Facebook, where it says, what's your status? Just put anointed. That is really going to get people asking questions. Now, we don't, see, <laughs> we don't see too much of the way of anointing nowadays, like they did in the Old Testament. We don't see too much of that. Usually today, and it's only within church circles, uh, is that we anoint people with oil for healing. And we've done it here. I know, um, Pete, you've been anointed, haven't you? I remember seeing Bev one time, and it looked like she'd stuck a bucket in her head. Of, and a bucket, <laughs> just, like, just like She was dripping with oil, wasn't she? It really was. So we'd just do that. But as Jesus ushered in a new way of worshipping, he also ushered in a new way of being anointed. So when those in the present, in the upper room, those who were present in that upper room, on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, they were gathered together. And I, th I think it was Mary last week who said there's about 120 people gathered together, men and women. A new anointing came, an anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this was another fulfillment of a prophecy that God spoke back in Joel. In Joel chapter 2, he says, In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. They will prophesy. Now, now if you look at that, you'll notice that the spirit was given to men, women, young and old. You're not excluded. You are not excluded. And as Andrew mentioned last week, that anointing comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. When we accept Christ, he just goes, here, have this as a gift. The Holy Spirit, you've got a gift of the Holy Spirit. Gift number one, Jesus, love you, thank you very much. Fantastic, Holy Spirit, you've been given that. You've been anointed. You have been anointed. In that very instant. But even if wherever we look at ourselves on a social ladder. So today's social ladder, you know, you've got to be, oh, yeah, you've got to be up there and keep on going down. You keep on moving up and down a bit. We're suddenly elevated. When you get the Holy Spirit and you're anointed, you are suddenly elevated to a different level completely. It's like, you know, when you used to play snakes and ladders, kids ask your parents. So when you used to play snakes and ladders, and there's that big ladder right in the middle, isn't there? About, about square number four or five or something. You get on that, and all of a sudden you've gone from there to the top. The difference is with this anointing, there's no big snake to take you all the way back down to the bottom. You're just anointed. You are anointed. There's nothing that can change that. Nothing can change that. And isn't that good news for us? Isn't that just brilliant news? So here we are. We're anointed. Unsurprisingly, we're given a job to do. You don't get a free pass to sit down. The verse goes on. 
were anointed to bring good news. You've got good news. You've been anointed. You've just all agreed. You just went, yeah, I'm anointed. Good news. Isn't that good for you? Yeah. You've got that good news to give. Now, in some versions of the Bible, it came, contains these words, to preach the good news. On the 5th of November, 1992, wasn't a football match, Alison, but it was even better. 5th of November, Guy Fawkes night. Yeah, even better. One of my other favourite celebrations. Ron Abbott, a lecturer at Cliff College, where Karen and I went for a year, travelled down to Dar from Derbyshire to take a service to welcome me as an accredited local preacher within the Methodist Church. Isaiah 61 was the Old Testament reading, which has a special meaning. But alongside that was a New Testament reading from 2 Timothy 4. It goes from the end of verse 1 into the beginning of verse 2, and it says, I give you this charge, preach the word. Now, I must admit that I didn't quite get the full impact of that and what it meant right at the beginning. Because some of the topics that were covered in the Methodist Church two-year cycle weren't really inspiring for a young local preacher. In fact, I really struggled to go, dear me. There's nothing in this. I don't know. I know it's your Bible, God, but there's nothing in this for me. There's just a, and surprisingly, I'm holding my hand up again. I did upset a few people. <laughs> no, yeah, they just didn't like Christmas in summer either. So, that's it. so but <laughs> I know it's hard to be. Apparently, they didn't like it when I called them an audience instead of a congregation. I know, I know. I got a stinging letter. I got a stinging letter. Somebody said, uh, yeah, no, we come to participate, so that makes us a congregation. And I looked and I went, right, okay, okay then. I can hear you breathing. Well, that's about it. But in my, so as you say, so that's what, I'm like, yeah, come on, just get a bit there. So, but in my defense, I was working as a social organizer at the time. And uh, I used to uh, take about, so some weeks in summer, there was about 100 plus people in the hotel. So I would just have to keep them all busy and everything. And uh, so that my defense was that I was just in the middle of all that, and I just said, hey, how you doing, audience? And it's like, oh, dear. So that was it. Anyhow, so I was, in fact, eventually I was accepted, uh, and they got used to my northern accent. I'm in for northerners. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, being called to preach, taking that a little bit, being called to preach, won't preach the word. It comes with biblical authority, really, because Jesus said, I'm going to, uh, I give you the authority. He said it to his disciples in Matthew 10. He says, I'm going to give you authority to go out. I want you to go and heal people, but I also want you to preach the word. I want you to preach good news. Jesus gives them authority, and as I and others stand here, we've got an authority that sort of just raises the bar a bit. And I can confess that there were times when I fell way short of preaching good news. I really did. I remember when I was preaching at Hurston near Swanage, a little Methodist 
chapel and there's about seven and I was, I was just it's just me it's just Trev's up speaking and I looked at this one lady and she didn't have to say anything at all because what she their face well put it this way a couple of years down the line she said uh, she said that first time you came to speak I just was asking God what have you brought us <laughs> Anyway, there we go. But anyway, she they accepted me, and uh, but I do know people who've who've said, you know, um, well, I'm not going to go to church because he's speaking or she's speaking. Surprisingly, it's not about you coming to church. It's you know, it's whether he or she, if you don't get on with them, it's the attitude you're coming to church. We come to church with, isn't it? It's just like, okay, God, there's something here that. You want to teach me. But nevertheless, the charge is still there that we've got to go and preach the good news. In various passages in the New Testament, Jesus tells us that he came to preach. Matthew 11, verse 5 says, The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Luke 4:43 but I but he said to them I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well for I was sent for this purpose and then later on in Paul in the New Testament in Romans and Ephesians he, Paul says to the Romans he says and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news how is your feet doing Gotta ask you. If, you. if you bring good news, your feet are beautiful. I hate my feet. But God sees them as beautiful because you're bringing good news. To the Ephesians, he says, To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Paul knew, again, that what he had to do, what he had to bring was good news, absolutely good news, the unsearchable riches of Christ. You have all got that inside you. You're called to preach the good news. I could just add that in Matthew 10, Jesus told his disciples to go. It's not all about in-house preaching. It's about out-of-house preaching. And as Mick said a couple of weeks ago, that there may come a time when we may not do, do church as normal as this. Oh, has that excitement level just gone down to a bit of fear now? It's, oh, my word. Maybe a time where we go and meet in coffee shops. <laughs> First round of coffee. <laughs> She's buying coffee and cake for all of us. It may be that, I don't know who's going to cheer at this one. Maybe that we need to go to pubs. <laughs> oh, we can see where this is going, can't we, really? Hey, maybe that we just get together and have a sing-along. If somebody just brings a guitar and we just go down the beach and have just 
tea, coffee, cakes. Well, no, not tea, coffee, cakes, but that's it. I remember, um, some of you remember uh, Michelle and Lisa who came here beginning of last year to do a service, um, a, an evening, and uh, they said <coughs> uh, they were in Cyprus, which is lovely anyhow, um, but they just felt that uh, God was just leading them to go and just take the guitar and just sit down and strum on the seafront. And they did. And they didn't, it, it wasn't preaching, but they were just, why should everybody else stand on the seafront singing and put a cap in front of it? They just went and sang. So that just themselves, but people around were noticing it. You know, and they, and they spoke to somebody who just came and sat and said, well, you know, what are you doing? Oh, we're just praising God. We're just singing along. They went and did it in a, a uh, coffee shop, didn't they? They did a coffee front of a coffee shop. Um, they said they, <laughs> they 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 got permission, but inside he was still playing really loud disco music. Um, but they said, "Oh, we just did that," and then he turned his music down so that they could just listen. And you know, it may be that you need to hear that you've got permission to do things. You don't always have to go, Mick, can we do this? And can we get a committee? You use us. You use us. I mean, if he can use a tax bloke, if he can use fishermen, if he can use somebody just sitting underneath a, a fig tree, and he just goes, hey, guys, I'm 12 of you. This is what it's going to be like. We're just going to go and spread the good news. So we don't have to always come to Mick. We can just go, Mick, this one we're going to think, and he'll go, yeah, go do it. Just go and do it. But let's get back to Isaiah. Now, I know we're not all called to preach. We're not all wanting to stand here and shake. And uh, But we can all bring good news. So what's the good news that we've been appointed to bring and share? It's going to put a whole new level on. When, do you want to do a bring and share? Yep, well, let's do a bring and share. Bring, you've got the good news, now share it. So when Jesus started ministry, the good news that he brought was the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven was at hand. It is closer than the air that you breathe, and that's pretty close. And the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is even closer than that. But instead of following the old R's, rules, regulations, and religion, there was a new set. Repentance, restoration, and relationship. That was his good news, and it changed the world. It changed the world completely. So what, in 2020, what is your good news? Well, surprisingly, it's the same as it was 2,000 years ago. It hasn't changed. I mean, we sort of, sort of tweaked it to make it sound nicer. No, just preach the word. Well, where to start? Where would you where would you start with saying if I asked where would you start? I'm sure we could come up with a whole list of bits of good news. I came up with these. The good news that God is good. Let's start at the top. That's the good news that God is good. The good news that God loves each and every one of us. No matter where we are on the social ladder or where or whatever, God loves each and every one of us. 
the good news of how God only wants the best for you. I think sometimes we forget that. It's like, no, God's got a better plan for them. No, God actually has got a plan for your life. The good news of that angel that came to the shepherds and said, fear not, I'm going to bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. The good news of how Jesus came as that um, promised Messiah, how he lived, was tempted in every way so he could empathize with us and our struggles and what we're going to go through. How he went to the cross, how he defeated death and rose again. How he promised that he would never leave us alone. How he promised that he would send a helper to be with each and every one of us. To send the Holy Spirit to anoint us. We're back to anointing. How about this? If you haven't got enough good news yet, if you haven't realized all this good news that's bubbling up inside of you, how about this? How about the good news of grace that says, in Christ, I can do nothing, say nothing, give nothing, give, do anything more, work harder, pray longer, study more. All I need to do is to accept that God loves me, and I'm just going to stand in that grace. How's that for good news? If that isn't enough, get your wheelbarrow, because there's a whole new load coming. The good news of how when Jesus walked amongst people and performed miracles of healings, that healings and miracles are still happening today. The testimonies about how God has healed people in this church, how God has healed you, how God has healed me, how God has done something in your life. Your testimony, nobody can take away. Absolutely nobody can take away from it because it's happened to you. If he did it for me, he can do it for you and he can do it for people out there. The thing is, we just need to get ourselves into gear sometimes. We just need to be a bit more proactive. That's your good news. If you've been healed and somebody goes, hang on a minute, last week, weren't you doing, weren't you back eight and now you're walking up straight? And go, yeah, well, we got prayed for in church. Isn't that good news? Isn't if God is healing you, even if God is pouring his Holy Spirit into you, even if he just says, hey, you know, I just want you to sing. I just want you to praise me. That's good news because people want to know, why are you singing? Why are you praising? Why are you playing your music? Because I love God. I wanted you to say that. Um, uh, Andrew mentioned it last week. That you get to get to the beginning of the year and you're all, there's a sense of expectancy. Oh, yeah, brand new year. We're going to start. Christmas is coming up in six weeks' time. Hurrah, this is fantastic. We're going to start again. This is lovely. Um, so to go on from them expecting, ex there's an expectancy. There's, there's, so that means people are expecting. They're expecting something to happen. Did you know that you're pregnant? Yeah, you can laugh. Fellas, women, you're all pregnant. You have got so much possibility inside of you 
you could just go and spread that everywhere. Everybody is pregnant with good news. You've got it. Just like a baby, it's got to give birth. Don't hold that good news to yourself. So the Lord's appointed each and every one of us who believe in Jesus with his Holy Spirit to preach, to bring, to share the good news. With who? The poor. That's it, the poor. Well, as we go through Isaiah 61 in the next few weeks, we're going to discover some of them. But a commentary on Matthew 5, 3, where it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It says this. It says that the poor are those who recognize they are in need of God's help. That's the poor. Jesus brought that kingdom of heaven to the poor. He saw needs. He looked in their eyes and could see the spirit and thought, you're poor inside your spirit. What I want to bring is this to you. He gave them life. He didn't walk past and go, oh, well, I'll bless. You'll be fine. He didn't do that. He spoke life into each and every one of them. Now, not everyone will recognize that they're in need of God's help. We all know people like that. They're the people who think they're rich enough to buy themselves out of trouble. That they can just pay for everything. It's just like, no, I don't need God. They're the strong enough. They're the ones who feel that they're strong enough to say, it's all right, I'm bigger than this problem. I'm going to fight it on my own. I don't need everybody or anybody else around me. They're the people who think that they need to control themselves. They need to control other people, to manipulate people. There are people who are bitter enough not to let you in, not to let God in, not to let the world in. And they just want to hold on to that. Some people will mock us for our faith. They'll laugh at us. Ah, you lot, you're just a load of wusses, they'll say. Yeah, you just gotta, you've got to have God as a crutch, and that's it. You just can't do anything on your own. Some people will even avoid us and just go, oh, no, they're going to bring up that God conversation again. You know, when you go around at Christmas, I've mentioned it again, but you go around and um, you, you, you just go around to people's houses and they're going, ah. I bet they're just going to ask about that problem again, try to just get God into the conversation. And so hopefully they're going to stay in that corner of the room and I'll be in this corner of the room. We all know that people need God. It's one of those, it's, it, it's conundrum, isn't it? It's like we know that the answer to that is that you need God. They think, I know better. I know better. See, he's the answer to heart's desires. He really is. He's the, he's, the, he's the person that people are really searching for. You know the, you know the people who do the pick-and-mix religions? Well, I'll have a bit out of Islam, and I'll have a bit out of that one. I'll go New Agey. I'll go to the Methodist. I'll go over there, and I'll do this. I'll just chill. I'll relax. I'll... Listen to dolphins swimming in seas. I just go, really? It's not working. It's really not working, is it? Your your variation of re- 
how you see religion isn't working. It goes back to relationships. There's going to be times where we have to acknowledge that we can't force people to accept Jesus. You know, there's just, there's just times. I mean, and Jesus said, you know, you're going to go into these towns. If they welcome you, go in. If they don't welcome you, shake the dust off your shoes, off your feet. Because how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. There's sometimes we just have to say, God, I can't do any more. I've just got to leave it with you now. It's for you. But how we show it, how our attitudes to Christ, how our attitudes to each other in the church, how that shows to the people out there may help for us to help people to bump into God. Why are you so happy? Well, I just am. Yeah, but that's not an answer. I just am. Why are you so happy? Because I've got a faith. Because I know a God who loves me completely, despite all my failings, despite every time that I'm going to fall, despite every trip up, despite every word that's going to come out of my mouth that doesn't sound right. God still loves me. Beside, despite every problem I've got, despite I've not got any money for that, I've, and it's just, God still loves me. You've got so much good news inside of you that you should just be bursting with it all. God has anointed us. He's anointed and appointed us to preach good news, to bring good news, to share good news. How many people have you, have you heard who just go, oh, just give me some good news? And they'll just say it randomly, won't they? They'll just go, oh, just give me some good news. Hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. All right, let's start there. <laughs> let's start there. Okay, I'm pregnant. Guess what with? I'm pregnant with good news. I'm pregnant because I can tell you actually what's God done for me. Ken and Eileen, you're pregnant. How about that? I mean, if you're reading about Abram and Sarah in the old Bible, I mean, 190 odd. You, you're youngsters. So this is it. Guys, you're pregnant with good news. <laughs> oh, I like that. It's you. It's not, it's you. You're pregnant with good news. This is what we've got to give. It may be to family, it may be to friends, maybe to work colleagues, maybe to somebody who's just sat on a park bench somewhere. It might be somebody on a bus, might be somebody anywhere you like. Wherever we go, wherever we meet, let's just pray. God, give us one of those divine appointments, would you? Just give us one of those divine appointments. You could have a million conversations for the rest of the year about giving good news. You could just have one appointment, but that's your appointment to give good news. It's a way to simply talk. We're all good at talking. It's a way to simply talk, a way to simply share a story, to tell of a God who gave his son so that we can be with him in eternity.
you're appointed, you're anointed. Give good news to everybody this year. In your name I pray. Amen. Oh, so there was uh, so the, the old ones were.